We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello, and welcome to the Moose and Moose podcast. This episode two hundred six. There you go. Of the pod. You're Alongside good. Alongside Matt I am Joe Musso. Uh, off week, so you can't expect me to know how no, many no, episodes we've done. No, 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 no. Uh, bye week. Bye, bye week. Not, it's a bye week, not an off bye week. Bye week, not off week. Again, you know, we were down for about 10 days plus here. So forgive me for kicking off my intro rust, but it is episode 206. Matt Rooney is alongside. I am Joe Musso. We're here to bring you all the latest and greatest across the sporting landscape. That's what we, we do. Talk a little PGA championship coming up because it is a golf pod. We're going to talk about Justin Fields and his imminent uh, rookie of the year bid. Can't uh, wait. That, that's if you haven't coming. hit that bet yet, it's like plus 1100. Go get it. When, we're going to throw some buyer sells at you. We're going to have a lot of fun. But first and foremost, Matt, how the heck are you? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you for bearing with new me gig. last week. Started, new gig. Started the new gig and was traveling a little bit for that and just in and out of places. Nose to the, the grindstone and we can, we can only respect it. Yeah, we you know, it's, it. we're going to get here. We're going to get your podcast weekly from here on out. It's just going to be a little bit more of a, you know, figuring out. When, I'm not available every morning now anymore. It's kind of figuring out when uh, when I can do what. But we'll, we'll still be bringing it to you. New gig's going great. Um, happy to get going and, and happy to be back talking to you. I do want to get out in front of something here. Um, sure, please. You are uh, aboard with the good people at BetSpurts. I am. So uh, doing social media marketing, really everything under the sun. Wearing a lot of hats. Uh, That's how I like wearing it. A lot of, wearing a lot of hats right now. But do you feel an increased pressure when we get into this season's college football and NFL betting extravaganza that as a member of BetSpurts, you don't offer just – flaming garbage as your picks like i know i know you're not one of the i know you're not one of the odds makers but it's with the umbrella of betsperts over your head is there an increased pressure that people want to know you know i i think i'll be no i think that's the answer no um <laughs> you're, you're still the one talking to todd Furman on a weekly basis that's and, fair and people of that's that fair. i'm not doing that I'm, I'm i'm looking at a lot of stuff but i might, might be able to do a little more research this time around instead of just you know popping open uh, points better DraftKings or something like that five minutes before we record the podcast and saying that's a line I like um, but no I, I'm gonna keep doing what I do I'm, I'm still two and one here in the in the pick'em tournament I had one bad year last year we're gonna get past it we're on to next year hey, COVID year hey. was weird it was it was an off year. It was it was an it was off a bye year. year not it, was, an off it, year. it was a bye year. It was a bye year, not an off year. Uh, and you make a good point. Uh, I do have some of the the best and brightest in sports gambling uh, at my fingertips. So mm-hmm. take that take that for what it is. Oh, and you know, simple plug here: free game every single day. CBS Sports HQ, cbsportscom slash live, and on the CBS Sports app. Also streaming on Paramount Plus. But let's dive into the topics of this. Paramount week. Plus Obviously, has a great thumbnail photo too. From what I remember, it's a it's a nice looking picture uh, of Joe. I, there's a there's a thumbnail that gets rotated through there that I have been photoshopped to. Uh, just just an alien level. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, the but. face looks strange in that one. Yeah, yeah. But what are you gonna do? Yeah, nothing, you gonna do? Not much we, you can do personally. We we keep plugging. Uh, put my face wherever you want it. Who cares? Uh, put it on the t-shirt. Sell them. Give me a cut. But we are talking about the Bears' little rookie mini camp reactions. Uh, we got a little glimpse of Justin Fields in the orange for the first time. Uh, just, I mean, I you can't help but be excited. He looked good, man. He looked crisp. He looked great. I just every everything that came out of camp was that you know he's processing it all. 
uh, obviously it's baseline level stuff. We're mm-hmm. talking formations. We're talking philosophy. We're talking all the things you're getting in days one through four. Um, and just, you know, getting around the guys, getting around your new offensive linemen, the, the, the draft picks that are going to be tasked with hopefully protecting you for the next decade plus. Um, so I, I think very important days, but yes, all foundational stuff. I, I'm going to let you go first here. I do have, I do have sure. one, and I'm not going to go negative, but I do have one thing that I want to get your temperature on. But before we do that, I want you to give me something positive. Let's lead off on a good foot here. All right, what, what I do like, what's a positive for me from that week, is that you have, like, in the past, it, it, rightfully so, like, the, the beat writers, the ones who are at camp are always like, well, the quarterbacks don't look great. The quarterback is miles behind the defense, all that kind of stuff. Yes. Um, there wasn't any of that this time around there was like and and this is also i think maybe my gripe a little bit too um they're all they're like oh man he looks great and i think it was mark potash was like man i know it's it's on air but he his accuracy looks great he just fired out a perfect like uh ball ball to the flat was perfect like okay that's great i'm happy he looks good but like guys he's throwing he's throwing to a running back in the flat on air i'm I'm glad he put it in you know the shoulder that could kind of lead him upfield but like let's just tell me he looks good. Let's not start crowning him already rookie of the year MVP because of how he's throwing on air in, mini, in rookie minicamp. You know yeah, I mean? and he, I, I totally get what you're saying, but like, it, it's hard to temper expectation after what we've been through. And it's hard to temper expectation when we're riding this high of like, just not, just, I don't think we spent that much time, us or anybody else, any time or energy committed to being in the position that we're in right now, which is having a quarterback that you can be excited about and that you can place mm-hmm. expectation on. That's not what we're expecting to come out of this draft with. So I'm giving a longer leash on those. Um, and it's that's such like a, it's like, it's not like a real it. complaint. That was just more like, uh, it's more like me wanting to temper my expectations. You know, For sure. I don't want to get, I'm already my, you know, sky high with how I'm feeling. You know, not even temper expectations. My approach to it is let's not hyper analyze every rep because there's going to be hundreds and hundreds and thousands of reps before we get to see him play mm-hmm. quarterback for the Chicago Bears in an actual NFL game. So um, there's going to we th- this is a five year process of, of getting Justin Fields to where we want as our starting quarterback. Now, hopefully, he's at that point sooner rather than later, but. There is going to be a growing uh, pain. There is, there are going to be growing pains. There is going to be uh, a learning curve, and hopefully, he's on the right side of that curve sooner rather than later. But you know, I can't fault some beat writers for breaking it down rep for rep. Let's just temper those expectations. My thing is here, Matt, and I'm going to pose it as a question rather than a statement because I don't want to um, carry this anxiety on my heart. But do you have any worry? about the throwing motion of Justin Fields. I feel like this was a thing we did maybe four or five years ago a lot, especially back in the Tebow days. And I'm not, I'm not likening this to that. But mm-hmm. we, don't, we don't hear people talking about throwing motion anymore. A lot of people used to do that, and that used to be a big nitpick, and that used to be why guys fall in the draft. We didn't hear anyone critical of Justin Fields throwing motion because he is so accurate and he is so proficient in delivering the ball. But there is a there is a drop the ball below the shoulder type thing going on. Does any of that worry you? I don't even want to put this out into the ether, but it is something that I noticed. Not totally. Um, I mean, I, I'm not one that knows enough about throwing motions and kind of what can 
you don't want the loop. You don't want I, a big loop. I know you, know? you don't want a big loop, but I, I I feel like that's also something like you see with you know pitchers with great stuff. Like you, you can kind of tighten things yeah. up without throwing them off too much and actually make them even a little bit more accurate. Um, let me so, pose the, let me pose the question it. differently because my my stance on it would be let Justin Fields throw the ball however the hell he wants to throw yeah. the ball. I'm on I'm on that side of the conversation, but do you put yourself on that side of the conversation or are you open to the people in the Bears facility saying, hey, maybe let's work on this? Or do you just want them to be applying their philosophies, their formations, their plays mm-hmm. to whatever his mechanics are? Do you want any sort of mechanical teaching going on right now in Justin Fields' career? Yes, I think there I mean, there has to be some sort of mechanical teaching going on. I, I think it's up to the you know the, the coaching staff, Matt Nagy, um, John D. Filippo. What I, those guys have seen a whole bunch of quarterback play. I think they know what's going to be a problem, what might not be. And if it's if it's a throwing motion thing, if it's something that they think it's a minor tweak, maybe it's like, hey, let's learn the playbook, let's get everything down, then we're going to address this in any time, something like that. But if it, is, I mean, if if they look at it and say like, hey, we got to tweak this, this has to be a major change, then I think they're going to make it. Um, I don't always trust the Bears coaching staff, front office, whatever, but I do think. Matt Nagy and, and John D. Filippo do no quarterback play, so I, mm-hmm. I think that's something that I, I kind of trust their judgment on. Um, but I, I think the early yeah. focus on is you know let's let's get as proficient in the playbook as we possibly can, and hopefully kind of tweak that tweak the throwing motion, make the minor tweaks mechanically we need to along the way. Yeah, for me, I, I just you just let that tape speak. You throw the tape yeah. on. You say he's been throwing the ball like this, and yeah, maybe the windows are closing quicker, and the time to assess is, is split seconds at the NFL level, and that's when you start worrying about a longer throwing motion. But if he's getting the ball out and on time, let him throw it how he wants to throw it. Would be yeah. my approach. I don't. It's in, unless you see it, foresee it being a major issue, just kind of let the guy, let let the kid go for now, and we can kind of correct those minor things as we go. I, I don't think there's any reason to be be in there right now, especially Matt Nagy not at rookie camp. Just kind of yeah, just just let him go. Uh, on the tail end of rookie camp, we did hear Matt Nagy speak, and he did say that Andy Dalton is QB one, and he will be that heading into OTAs coming up here. Uh, when do OTAs begin? Next week, I believe. Um, that's a great question. I don't know. I believe it is next week, uh, but it is in the it is in the short term. It is in the near term here. Uh, OTAs are set to begin. Andy Dalton will be taking first team reps. I'm not going to ask you how soon you believe Justin Fields will be named QB one, but how soon, Matt? Until we get the well, Andy Dalton's QB1, but we're going to let Justin take first-team reps today. How, how soon until we get that? Because um, I think that comes before Justin Fields' is QB1. We're going to get the Justin's taking reps with the first team today. Yeah, I, I think you kind of see that. I mean, it, it all depends, honestly, how they look, how he looks with the – because he's going to start with the second team. How when they get there, how he looks with the second team, how he looks throwing, how Andy looks. I, I, Andy Dalton's obviously going to get those first reps, but – it just kind of depends on how Justin Fields starts out camp looking. If he looks like a guy who belongs right away, I don't think it's going to take too long for him to at least start splitting reps with the first team because, like we've talked about a million times, like mm-hmm. there's no fooling that defense anymore. There, And this isn't a defense that might be willing to, you know, slow play this and, and put up with the, the lesser quarterback because he's the veteran because they, they've dealt with bad quarterback play for as long as all of those guys have been in Bears uniforms, and they're yeah. kind of at the end of their rope. There's no fooling those guys, and if a week into camp, Justin Fields is the better quarterback, someone's going to – Khalil Mack, someone's going to go talk to Matt Nagy and be like, hey, man, I know what you're trying to do, but 
it's time. Like we got to go do this now. So I, I yeah. think it's going to be on a more expedited process, especially if he is looking like we hope and expect that he's going to look. I know we talked about it uh, on the tail end of the draft, but like some of the defensive guys just ringing endorsements and showing their support on social media. Eddie Jackson has led that charge and has continued yeah. to over the last couple uh, over the last couple weeks here and during rookie minicamp, posting some stuff with Justin Fields uh, in a Bears uniform in the Bears helmet. I know that's exciting. I know that we're looking forward to it. I don't know how much pull that the defensive guys are going to have in making that decision, but there are going to be some eyes on the decision makers that if things start going sour, if things are not progressing the way you want them to with Andy Dalton, that, hey, it's time because this window is only open for so long with this group of defensive players and and they don't want to waste another rep uh, the way they've wasted the last four or five years waiting for a quarterback to come along. So uh, I definitely am in lockstep with you on that point. Just the mention of Eddie Jackson has me uh, thinking of something uh, tangential uh, related here. Eddie Jackson is going to be one of those guys who is using the number change rules uh, to his advantage. He's going back to his college number. He's going to wear number four. What are, what are your general thoughts on that? I don't mind some of like It's weird. It's almost like a case-by-case basis. Like I like Eddie Jackson at number four, but then like I saw like uh, Kyle Pitts tweezer, uh, teaser with him in Atlanta. Like, he was wearing number eight. Like That one didn't look right to me. So it's, like, yeah. it's weird. It's just going to be like a case-by-case basis, and like I don't – I don't know. It's just it, it, I'm going to be different. I'm going to be flip flopping on it all year because I think Eddie Jackson four. I think that's going to look sweet. Kyle Pitts in number eight. I don't really like it. I think he should be wearing number eighty four. That's not his tight ends number. You know what I mean? Like so, it's just it's so, it's it's strange. It's going to be it's going to be an adjustment. My brain is not as you. far advanced as a lot of people's, so my now, number is going to be fooled all year. I think. Now to that, I would push back and ask: Did you take any issue? with the murderer's row of wide receivers at Illinois Wesleyan uh, circa 2012, all wearing single digits. That was no, Joe Musso in six. Receiver, that was Brett Robinson in four. I did not. That was Tate Musselman Re- in eight. Receiver and Alex Darby in nine. Form. And you had to cover them all. Good luck. I didn't have to cover anybody. I was offensive lineman. Um, that, was the, that was the third person general you. It was like – no, because that was receivers. Receivers don't really – tight end is – granted, Kyle Pitts is probably going to be one. Gotcha. He's going to spend some time split out and be like a little bit of a hybrid. But like, I don't know. Like it's just – he's a tight end. Like, I don't want to see somebody in a three – I wasn't wearing number eight as a guard. I don't want to see someone in a three-point stance on the line rocking number eight. That doesn't look right to me. I don't like I it. was I was really just trying to trying to pass I know, you're our, trying to our receiver group on the I back refused. there. I was trying to pat, pat the group on the back there. Uh, shout out to the boys, uh, the, un, the uncoverables. Uh, Matt, we do have uh, plenty to get to here. You got any other Bears thoughts? I know it's just rookie minicamp. We can't delve too deep. We can't do what we were just critical of and hyper-analyze every rep, but uh, excitement, I think, would be the word that comes to mind for me, mm-hmm. and it's just good to feel good. Say that no, again? No, What's no, good to feel I said, good? I said it's it's good to feel good about the Bears. Like, oh, I yeah. I not no, feel good like, about the Bears. We I, were two months we're ago, in a, better a month ago, talking about how, like, yeah, we'll still talk about them, but we're going to talk about them less because we hate them now. Like, I mean, a much better place physically, mentally, yeah. uh, Bears-wise. No it's, doubt. It's, no it's, doubt. it's like, I don't know, it's weird. It's flip-flopped, and there's a whole different vibe, and now it feels like something <laughs> they're sustainable. And I don't know. I don't know. I'm back in on it. I'm back in on all it. All right. We're, we're back. all in. Bears we'll are back. Keep we're back. Justin Fields is back. Everyone's That's it. Back. 
That's it. Uh, excited for OTAs, excited for the season to come, but uh, let's keep things rolling here. It is a major championship week, and this is a golf podcast, PGA Championship, coming your way from Kiowa Island, a place that Matt Rooney has gone out and tested his game on. I did, uh, Matt, yeah. Before we get to picks, before we break down players we like, we don't like fades, your general takeaway walking off 18 at Kiowa was what? Um, wow. But I think I think wow was was pretty much it. mainly. I mean, it's an it's an unbelievable course. I, I we can get into kind of the, the difficulties and kind of where people can score. But the way that course finishes, it kind of it's kind of like a big giant S. Like you start a little bit inland, and kind of the first four holes go one way, the next like seven or eight go the the rest the the, the next way kind of back. It's a and classic. It's a classic links play it out yeah, play it in. and like you play i think it's 14 or 15 and in like you're playing legitimately the ocean is ob right like you're right on the ocean so when you are when you're playing that course you step off 18 you kind of look back and see what you just did it's like holy hell like that's the most scenic whatever stretch of golf i've ever played in my life um go ahead what sort of what sort of weather did you have the day you played it because that's what they're saying is the wind, the weather, and the draw is going to likely dictate how this championship is played. Yeah. And it could dictate – it could eliminate – if you're on the wrong side of the draw, let's say you're a morning-afternoon guy mm-hmm. or let's say you're an afternoon-morning guy, depending on which way the weather falls, it could eliminate half the field. It really could. Saying. Because if, if you get at the right time in the morning and there's not much wind, like you're going to be able to take advantage of the course because – it. What sort of the wind is its biggest defense? We did. We got lucky. We did not have that. We, we had a steady, like probably 10, 10 to fifteen mile an hour wind the whole time. But it goes the same way, and the course isn't one of these. That, you know, you're teeing off one way, and then it's you know a ninety degree turn, and then it's going back. It's it's you got you know however many holes the same direction. Then so you know the first five whatever you're into the wind. You know the next seven or whatever you're with it, and then you know coming back you're into like it, it's not. It's the same wind the whole time, if that makes sense. It wasn't. It wasn't swirling for us. Didn't keep us guessing. You just knew what the wind was, and it was. You, you just kind of adjusted. And it wasn't a whole the whole difference. So I think that made it while difficult. Um, you knew what to kind of how to take advantage of because by the second hole, you you knew like, hey, I need to club up. Hey, I, this is you know maybe a, a three quarter swing instead of a full. It made mm-hmm. things a little bit easier to deal with. I think that way, which is what. It, more than you can say about you know some links courses if you're playing up in Ireland or yeah. something. It's, it's wind a, whip and swirl and go in different directions the entire time. It wasn't that it, way it's, for us. It's not to say that there won't be difficulty. It's just you kind of know when and where it's going to come from. And apparently this week the weather forecast does have some serious winds in it. Mm-hmm. And those winds are going to be prevailing out of the east, which means that last stretch you were talking about down the ocean side, like 14 through 18, is playing dead into it. So. Yeah. If you're the type That'll of fan fun. that if you're the type of fan that enjoys a proper major championship, a major championship contested around par, around I mean south of five under, this might be the week for you. And that's not always what we think of uh, when we think of the PGA Championship. Now, looking back at I believe it was 2012 when Rory absolutely blitzed the field and mm-hmm. got to 12 under. Yeah, he won it at 12 under, but he won by eight shots. The next closest was five under. So unless we get someone in a runaway performance on the right side of the draw, I think we might get a similar kind of winning score right around there from five to maybe five to eight. I think I'd put it at, at the most, um, at the most liberal side of the scoring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that sounds about right. Just cause it's, it's like you're saying, it's not, 
it's probably not going to be that typical PGA Championship where people are able to go 17, 18 under. It's going to present a few more challenges. I, I do think the one spot, though, where you can see some people taking advantage of it is on the green. And if you get some windy days, if you get some less windy days, some less, you know, windy stretches of days, the, I don't remember exactly what grass it was they used on the green, but the caddies were telling us that it's basically it's a very easy grass to putt on, and it's one that kind of slows the putts down a little bit. So that's kind of where this course can be exposed, and if the wind's not whipping and you can kind of get the ball on the green wherever you want it to, uh, players are going to have a little bit of an easier time putting. So I think that's kind of where you might be able to see people take advantage of the course just a bit. But, I mean, yeah, if, if you got wind at all whatsoever, it's going to – throw some wrenches into that. So I, I think I lean with you. I don't think you're going to see anybody blow the field away here. Uh, putting services are Bermuda. Uh, most of the course is a pass palum, which is a very, don't know what that means. it's a very seaside friendly Bermuda like uh, hybrid. Okay. If we're getting into our, if we're getting into our horticulture here and our, uh, our grass, uh, our grass breakdowns at the PGA championship, uh, like the great Snoop Dogg said in Starsky and Hutch, I know a lot about golf. I know even more about grass. I never uh, saw so Starsky and Hutch. The remake? Oh, so good. Yeah, so good. Never saw it. That's what Ben Stiller it. and uh, Owen Wilson. Is that right? Correct. Uh, Snoop plays Huggy Bear. Snoop plays Huggy Bear. So uh, okay. a gangster, but a gangster with a good heart. Uh, we do need to get to some picks here at the PGA Championship. Before we do so, tons of storylines out there, but none bigger than Jordan Spieth, who has seen a renaissance of sorts uh, this year. Really, I mean, if you want to talk about current form. He's up there, top five golfer in the world right now. The World Golf Rankings do not reflect that because there's still some work to be done. But where his game is at and the way he's been playing every single time he goes out there, I would not be surprised to see him in contention. If he does win, win this, uh, he joins rarefied air. He becomes the sixth player in the history of this game. We're talking about hundreds and hundreds of years of professional golf. He becomes the sixth player in history to complete the career grand slam. So that's uh, that's circled in red this week. What kind of chances do you give Jordan at Kiowa? Um, I don't know, as good as anybody because yeah. I, I don't. He's playing pretty darn good golf, and I, I just I, I. He's someone that I think can get hot. I mean, it's it's if if he gets it at the, if he gets the course at the right time, if he's one of those guys that you know does get in a low win and he gets a, you know a, a birdie or two early on, he's a guy that's going to be able to ride some momentum. And mm-hmm. I, I think he's going to be a guy that can take advantage of those greens. Um, I, I, what have you looked up odds at all? Do you know Jordan? You know Jordan is are? Jordan is fourth favorite at last check, sixteen to one. Your favorite is uh, defending champion from twenty twelve, Rory McIlroy, at eleven to one, who okay. uh, also won his last time out uh, two weeks ago. So he's feeling good vibes too. Uh, Justin Thomas, your requisite fourteen to one, which is where we find him pretty much all the time when it mm-hmm. comes to major championships or any tournament he's playing. It goes Rory 11 to 1, JT 14 to 1, John Rahm 14 to 1, Speed 16 to 1. Uh Speed even odds with Bryson DeChambeau at 16 to 1, which makes no sense to me because this is not a course that you're going to be able to go out there and just bomb and gouge. No. Uh, you you got to place your ball. So I think I think Bryson DeChambeau is really dumb money there at 16 to 1. Yeah, I don't really like that one. I'd probably stay away from it. Uh I I, I think I like Jordan. I mean, I I just yeah. I like the way he's playing golf late and there's nothing really to do with the course, but he's a guy that's been there in majors before. He's kind of found his mojo. He's got it back a little bit. I I, I don't dislike him going into any tournament at this point. Yeah. Um, I I really like Jordan's chances because – 
uh, everything that's been reported on this first day and a half out of uh, Kiowa has been it's going to a ball it's going to be a ball strikers extravaganza. Like you got to be a, it's it's going to be a second shot golf course. Yes, you have to be in play off the tee, but if you're striking it well and putting yourself in a position to score, you're going to be in the mix because so many guys are going to take them out of take themselves out of contention because there are so many hazards and there are so many opportunities to where if you're just a little bit off your screws, you're you might be dropping one and playing three or playing four. You might be taking penalty strokes all over it. And I think that Jordan Spieth his discerning factor is his ball striking. Like, yeah, he might put himself in a, in a bad spot off the tee, but his escape ability and his ability to put himself, uh, give himself birdie chances from bad places. I mm-hmm. think is better than anyone in the world right now. Um, and I also think that if the putter's going, that's where Jordan Spieth really separates himself. If putts are dropping from 15 feet for Jordan, it could be a Rory-like win where he's running away with this thing. That's how good he's been striking the ball. I, I almost assume uh, his ball striking at this point. So I like Jordan at sixteen to one. So is that a prediction? Is, he, is that a is, is that a we're my, locking it in? Is that a lock of the is week? Is he my pick to win? Ooh. I think he is. I think he's going to be my favorite. If I if I'm going to give you a favorite to win, sort of in that group of uh, top ten players odds wise to win, I'm going to pick Jordan Spieth at sixteen to one. I also have a long shot for you, but Matt, your pick to win here uh, of that top ten group. I'm going to go JT. Um, I, I feel like I pick him a lot in majors, but I don't see the harm in picking him in majors. He he's another mm-hmm. guy who's a very good ball striker, um, and I just I, I think he's played decently this year, but he's kind of due for one. Um, and it's, it's more or less, I, I don't have a specific reasoning for the course, for the matchup, whatever that I like him. I just, I never think it's a bad idea to pick JT in a major. Yeah. And if he's not the favorite, if you're getting him at 14 to one, right around the same odds, you're getting Jordan Spieth. I think I like rolling the dice on that. Now here's my thing with JT and I am 100% in JT's corner wanting to see him play well, wanting to see him win. I think I've said this before on the podcast. If Tiger's not in the field, JT is likely who I'm pulling for. Whether storylines are there or not, he's my favorite golfer on tour outside of Tiger Woods right now. I love him. I love watching him strike the ball. I love that his move is so unique. I, I, I love everything that he does. I just don't know if his attitude is in the right place to win major championships right now. I, I've been right there with you. The past majors, just pick JT, pick JT, pick JT. It's going to happen. It's got to happen. This game's so good. It's a great pick, 14-1, to 1, like the value there as well. But what we saw at the Masters was him let go of the rope when things went bad. And we've That's seen true. it before. He, his shoulders slump too quickly for me to put money on Justin Thomas right now. And, and I'm going to be there this week rooting for him when the shot goes awry. I'm gonna, Come on, JT. Like, don't let the shoulders slump. I'm going to be pulling for it, but do I expect this to be the week that he turns, that he flips the switch in terms of uh, just his ability to – take the good with the bad i don't i think that we're going to again see an emotionally volatile justin thomas out there and does that bode well when it comes to winning a major championship no it does not yeah you know that that's that's a very fair point and I, I, like we've been talking about on this course like it's one that you can catch some bad breaks on because of the way the wind is blowing and if, if jt is one of those guys that gets out at the wrong time um, yeah, that's he could take himself he out could, of it mentally immediately. Yeah, he you, could, know? you know, he could get a bad, what he thinks is a great, you know, seven iron that, you know, he probably should have taken an extra club and didn't, and then falls in the bunker. And then he's, you know, was walking up to a shot pissed off. I can see that. That, that That's a fair criticism too. And I, I, 
it's probably an accurate one. I just, I don't know. I, I'm just always of the belief when, when I don't really have a gut feel on it, he's not a bad guy for me to go out and play because I, I think he's, if for as, as capable he is, as he is, excuse me, of doing that, he's as capable as anyone is going out and firing a 61 if he gets into the right groove. All right, before we get to long shot picks, let's make things interesting here. You know we're always good for a dozen balls. Uh, we're, we're both going to make a tournament pick here favorite, and we're both going to make a long shot pick. So that's outside of – where do you want to draw the line? 35 or one or longer, let's call it? Yeah, let's do that. 35, 35 to one or longer. So each of us gets two golfers. If either of our golfer, if either of our two golfers wins, the other owes a dozen golf balls. How's that? That's fair. Let me, give, me, give me two seconds here. i got to pull up I'll some give it, Yeah, yeah, no. I, I don't want to rush you into a pick. What side are you I'm on? Gonna, I'm on our CBS golf. Uh, so if you just Google first thing that comes up, cbsports.com, just Google odd. No, just Google odds to win the PGA championship. Uh, great, great radio here. PGA um, championship. And the first link should be CBS golf. Yep. Uh, got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So if you scroll down to the bottom of that, uh, of that article, you'll see the odds right there. Uh, uh, my favorite pick to win is Jordan Spieth. Your favorite pick to win is Justin Thomas. Sure, let's go Long shots. 35 to one or longer. My pick is Sam Burns at 40 to one. And this is not just an in vogue thing because he's been playing good golf. Mm-hmm. Sam Burns did win uh, two starts ago at the Valspar and then takes a solo second last week at Craig Ranch, AT&T Byron Nelson. He's been playing really, really good golf, has a ton of belief in his game right now. Uh, he's just been at the top of every leaderboard that we've seen him on for the better part of Three months now. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, there were some missed cuts in the middle uh, right there in that March stretch. But even prior to that, at the Genesis, he finishes third uh, at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. It's a top 40 finish in which he, he, I believe, had the lead through 36 holes. So, like, he's just in the mix. And when you're looking at hitting on a longer odds, give me a guy that's going to be in the mix come the weekend, something that I can root for. 40 to 1, Sam Burns is my long shot. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Um, I'm going to go. What did you say? You say 30 or 35 to 1? Was our, 35 was our, to one 35 or longer. To one. I'm going to go right at 35 to one. I'm going to take Patrick Reed. Um, okay. I don't know why he's Gross, at 35. Okay. I, I don't like the pick because well, I, yeah. I like the pick. I don't like him. I don't you don't like, like having to root for him. him. <laughs> but like, I just, I think at those odds, Patrick Reed in a major, I don't know what I'm doing getting those odds. Yeah, I think he's, you're, he's you're, a guy that's always there in majors. He's a guy that kind of thrives on that. So the same thing that you were talking about, Justin, uh, Justin Thomas, got, I almost said Justin Fields. You almost called him Justin, Justin Thomas. Fields. <laughs> That's it. I got, I got, got Bears quarterbacks on the brain for a good reason, not for the first time in forever. Um, but at those odds, he's a guy that's almost always there in majors. He's a guy that has no problem dealing with the, the mental anguish, the mental side of the game when things go wrong. And sometimes he finds his way to work out of things. So, I just I like the way he plays in majors. I like his mentality. I I, I just I'm going to go Patrick Reed because I don't think I don't get why he's 35 to one. I just don't, and I, I like the odds there. And and when you're trying same thing, like I went current form for Sam Burns. Mm-hmm. You went uh, discrepancy in the odds. If you're looking for a long shot, find the guy who you feel the odds don't match the performance. And, and I really think that at 35 to one, Patrick Reed is a nice pick there. I just think that another reason that Patrick Reed's 35 to one, there's so many great golfers right now and you can't stuff everyone at 15 to one. That's you true. Can't just, yeah. That Vegas, Vegas is not going to take any money if everybody's sitting at 15 to one. So yeah. you got to make some longer odds and writing that 35 to one is where you might find some value. Um, so if Justin Thomas wins, if, Patrick Reed wins. I owe you a dozen golf balls. Sure. Jordan Spieth wins, or if Sam Burns wins, you owe me a dozen golf balls. Cool. And if it doesn't, we wash. 
and, and we wash if, if it's anybody else, if it's the field. Let's talk about the field here for a moment. Is there somebody in that top 40 group that you could see missing the cut, like a big name that you think, man, I just maybe don't see him there this weekend? Um, that's a good question. I mean, Brooks is at 33 to one. You don't know how healthy he is. And he's also one of those guys that, that, that you know, if things don't me, go yeah. well, I think he can check out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's probably the one that jumps out to me. Honestly, we talked about it. Like, I don't know what the odds are. I know there's odds out there. If you look hard enough, I would be interested to see either the Bryson to miss the cut or the DJ to miss the cut odds, because those are guys that, you know, Hit the well, ball very you took, long. You took all the good answers. High. You took all the good answers. You, you asked me for some names, so I'm throwing them out there. Those are like, those are. Guys I'm, I'm in lockstep with you. Hit the Brooks. ball far. They hit it high. And if you're in the wrong wind, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. And not, DJ's not a guy that checks out because he gets angry. DJ's a guy that sometimes might check out just because, like, well, you know, whatever. It's not my week. I'm just going to kind of hang out, play golf, yeah. and be done. Bryson checks out because of anger, and I could see him just. I don't know, trying to swing through his shoes and hurting his back at some point. But no, yeah. but seriously, I don't think the court, if, if the wind's going the wrong way for them, if they, if they're one of those guys that catches a bad break, the way they hit the ball um, and the way their short games and their, their abilities to scramble Bryson, especially doesn't really fit well for this course. I don't think. Yeah. Dustin, uh, Dustin's a guy that I'm always rooting for too, but he really hasn't done much to inspire confidence since he won the Masters back in November. Uh, yes, there was an, uh, an 11th place finish at the Century Tournament of Champions. Mm-hmm. They, they turned that thing into a pitch and putt out in Hawaii. Uh, Genesis Invitational, top 10 finish. But then after that, 54th at the WGC, 48th at the Players' Championship, bowed out early of the match play, didn't make it out of group play, missed the cut at the Masters here uh, in, in April. 13th at the RBC Heritage, and then 48th at the Valspar. So he's just kind of pushing his food around. I know that's something we like to say here, but like he's just not really locked in. Mm-hmm. And if you're not locked in, heading to Kiowa, and you do catch the wind, you can miss the weekend. I think Dustin's someone to keep an eye on hanging right around that cut line. Yeah, I, 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 I think we're both in lockstep there. I, I don't – looking through, I don't really see anybody else that kind of jumps out at me. As, I, just, I think Brooks was definitely one of them like we talked about, but – I would be really interested, and I think I'm actually going to try and find somewhere that has the Bryson and the Dustin odds to miss the cut because I think you can get some – if they're both under Parlay 20 to those, 1 to win, go. if they're both under <laughs> 20 to 1 to win, you'd have to think those miss the cut odds are pretty good for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, Matt, it's going to be an exciting week on tour uh, at the PGA Championship. It's always fun when you got a, when you got history uh, involved and a major championship involved. Somebody's going to hoist that 27-pound Wanamaker at the end of the week. Going to be a lot of fun to watch. You can oh, catch yeah. final round coverage on Saturday and Sunday. CBS, can't miss it. Streaming on CBSSports.com. We'll lead you in at CBS Sports HQ. Uh, going to be a lot of fun this weekend. And we will have the full breakdown on the tail end next week. But we do have some other things to get to here. NBA playoffs. My Technically begin tonight. My specialty. specialty. Uh, Play-in tournaments begin here Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, We're looking at Eastern Conference Tuesday, Thursday. Western Conference Wednesday, Friday. Going to be a lot of fun before we get to the real deal in the playoffs. Matt, how locked in are you? Like, how much do you know? What what do I need to spell out to you? You know, I was going to. I was actually going to have you explain to me the play-in tournament because I was so super easy. I kind of got it now. I think I don't seven plays eight. Seven plays eight. 
nine plays 10. Winner of seven, eight. So for, for the purposes of tonight in the Eastern Conference, the seven, eight matchup okay. uh, that features Boston and Washington. Winner of Boston and Washington is your eight, or excuse me, is your seven seed in the playoffs. So winner of the seven, eight takes the seven seed in the playoffs and will play the two seed, which is Brooklyn. So winner of tonight's game gets Brooklyn. Uh, the loser of tonight's game then gets the winner of the 9-10 matchup, which is Charlotte and the Pacers. So 9-10 winner plays the loser of 7-8. Winner of that represents your 8 seed. The loser of the 9-10 seed, so the loser of Charlotte-Indiana goes home. You have to win two ga- If you're in that 9-10 matchup, you have to win two games. You have to win that 9-10 matchup, and then you have to beat the loser of 7-8 to earn the 8 seed in the playoffs. I know spelling it out, it doesn't make a lot – I know saying it. And, no, and honestly, radio is not, seeing, not the, seeing best. the bracket. You have to look at it. Me. Yes, you have to look at the bracket. Because they got the perfectly drawn arrows, and it's like this goes – Yes. Is, as confusing as that sounded, once I saw the bracket, like once I saw what they are doing, I was like, okay – this makes a little bit of sense. I still don't let really... me clean it up. Let me clean it up and take the let me clean it up and take the names out of it. Winner of seven eight is in. Loser of seven eight plays the winner of nine ten. Winner of that game is your eight seed. Okay, that that's that actually makes it a whole lot easier, in yeah. my humble opinion. Um, so a, a lot at stake tonight in this Boston Washington matchup, mm-hmm. obviously. But you, you win this game, and your your consolation prize is that you go to play the Brooklyn Nets so good for you that also I want to take you to the Western Conference side of things and I think the biggest loser in this play-in tournament it's not LeBron and the Lakers it's not um it's not the 10 seed on either side the biggest loser in this is the Phoenix Suns because the Phoenix Suns just had their best season in nearly two decades and they're gonna get either Steph and the Warriors or LeBron and the Lakers like that's what you get for having the best season in franchise in in, in the last two decades of franchise history uh, selfishly you're gonna get, you're gonna get one of that. the faces of basketball selfishly <laughs> I love that simply because like the first round of the NBA playoffs for so long is just and maybe not for you but for the casual fan kind of like me has just been tune out television there's been no yeah, reason the, to the watch outcome is the first round of the but with this setup the way this is going to happen and we kind of got lucky that it looks like you know it's probably going to be the warriors and the lakers whatever if you have lebron and the lakers versus the jazz who have been the best team in basketball all year in one group and then you have the upstart Suns and the scoring champ and Steph, like I, that to me sounds like I. That's it's appointment television. Lakers haven't been the best team in basketball. No, the Jazz. Oh, the Jazz. Yeah, you have LeBron versus. Okay, fine. <clears throat> the team that's been one of the you know three best teams in basketball this year. I don't think with how they've played so far, the record. I don't think that's they've. No, I, I, agree point. I agree with your point. It 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 makes for it makes for interesting first round. Matches. Yeah, like it, it, I, I'm I'm yeah. actually going to be dialed into the first round of the playoffs this year instead of like we've talked about on the podcast. I think I've said multiple times. A lot of times I'm just saying, wake me up in the conference finals. We'll talk then. That's when I'll start watching. Now I actually have a reason to tune into the first round. So it's we got a little bit lucky that the, the Lakers were banged up and that, you know, Steph had to make kind of a miracle run down the stretch to get his team into the playoffs. But it's set up very well for us. Can you imagine if LeBron James does not make it into the playoffs? If they lose to the Warriors and then they lose the uh, – they would – they would have to end up playing the winner of uh, what's the nine ten? The nine ten in the West is San Antonio Memphis. So I, I could see them losing to the Warriors if Steph just shoots it lights out and goes for fifty yeah. again. I don't see them I, losing. I, that I don't see the game, Lakers right? losing to either of one of those two. But just the just the gravity of that moment of 
LeBron skating on the thinnest of ice in a play-in tournament would be crazy. It would be absolutely crazy. And I'm not rooting for it. I'm not rooting against LeBron's legacy. It's already cemented, regardless if they lose two games in a row here and bow out. Uh, say what you want. He's done so much for the game. He's been the face of the game. I just think that it would be a crazy storyline if that was the case. Yeah, um, I, I'd be lying. Like, I know the playoffs are more exciting when he's in it, and I, I think it, I'm probably rooting for him to get through just to kind of have that other reason to tune in. But if he doesn't make it, I, I'm with you. I just it will make the long term. I think it'll make the playoffs a worse product, but in the short term, I'll find that kind of absolutely hilarious and love it. So totally with, with that said, Matt, I want you to just kind of take stock of the whole NBA landscape right now. And just, I'm not holding you to it. We, sure. we can vacillate here over the next week or so. Vacillate, give, me your, give me your NBA finals matchup. I'll, uh, I'll give you mine. I'll let okay. you think for a second. My NBA finals matchup coming out of the East, the Philadelphia 76ers. I know it's chalk. I know they're the one. And I know they've done nothing in the last few years to inspire confidence that they'll be able to get through Brooklyn or get through anybody else. But Nikola Jokic is going to get the NBA MVP, and Joel Embiid is going to be a man possessed. He's done things this season that were like early 2000s Shaq type, plus a jump shot. Like he's been... He's been physically unstoppable at times. If he can stay healthy, lead this team, they're one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. I really like Philly out of the East. I think they're the only team that can give the Nets any sort of struggles. I think the Nets are going to walk right into that Eastern Conference Finals where they will face the 76ers. It's going to be one of those two teams. I think the Sixers come out of that series in seven. And then on the Western Conference side of things, sort of the same philosophy. I'm going defense first. I'm going with the L.A. Clippers, who in defensive rating have been one of the top teams. I think there's just going to be a lot of cannibalism out West because there's so many good teams. And I think that they're the team we're not talking about right now. And oftentimes you got to go to the team you're not talking about, yeah. the team that just kind of minded their own business, who could really do something special. Again, the big if is Paul George. If PG, if playoff P can come to play, it's it's Clippers and it's Sixers for me. Uh, I like the Clippers pick out West um, mainly for I didn't know that I knew they were a good defensive team. I don't think I knew how good of a defensive team they were until you kind of spot. Uh, Spotted off those defensive rating stats, so I'm in on with you there. Um, Kawhi, I, I, I just I love Kawhi in the playoffs, and I'm going to trust him. Um, and I, just everyone else, they're they're top contenders. I mean, I don't buy Utah yet until Utah wins something. I don't. I, I love the Suns; they've been really fun to watch this year. But there are a whole bunch of young guys who've never I think been Utah here. Peaked. Yeah, I think they, they probably peaked. did. The, the Suns have one guy who's been there a bunch and never won and then a whole bunch of young guys who have obviously also never won so i I don't think they're too young to kind of get there yet i still think they need some learning experiences um like you said the clippers are last year they were in the spotlight this year they're under the radar and i think that's the way just about everybody in that lineup on that team Kawhi especially likes it so I, i would not be surprised to see them make a pretty dominant run to the NBA Finals. I'm going Brooklyn out east. Um, it's pretty like it. chalky for me, but I, I know you love Philly. I just, I'm not going to buy Philly until they finally you know, do it in the playoffs. Um, yeah. I'm going with, I'm going with the proven talent. I'm going with Kevin Durant. I'm going with James Harden. Obviously James Harden hasn't been there yet either, but Kevin Durant for my money, still the best player in basketball. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with them. 
As for that Clippers uh, defensive rating, they were fourth in the league in points allowed per game. They were also second in the league in points differential, which are pretty telling uh, for you know what sort of intensity they brought during the regular season. Because everybody's going to ratchet up the, the, the defensive intensity mm-hmm. in the playoffs. It's just who's really who's going to set themselves apart. I think the Clippers defensively set themselves apart. Abject disrespect here to the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm not going to raise my hand on the Bucks. I never will. It's another team that's like, okay, prove it to me. Does Drew Holiday, does the addition of Drew Holiday really make you, uh, make you that much different of a playoff team? I don't think it does. It's going to be Giannis trying to shoulder the load and take down a team. Can he do that? Yeah, but he's going to have to run through a couple juggernauts in the Eastern Conference, and can he do that alone? I think it falls short again. Yeah, I just there. I talked about the Sixers. I mean, I feel like the the Bucks are that case, but on steroids. Like, I'm, I'm yeah, I love Giannis. He's so fun to watch, but this time, he, like, he's still not a good enough shooter to really put the whole team on his back. And until his help proves that they're actually help, I'm not gonna buy them. I just I can't. I, I, I I'm not rooting against them by any means. I just don't trust them until they prove to me they can be trusted and all they've proven so far in the, the couple of years they've been this good are that they kind of can't be. Yeah. I don't, uh, with that, I don't think Drew Holiday is enough to really put them over the edge there. I don't think they really have that second star that you kind of need. It is an exciting time for sports fans. We got fans back in the stands. We got playoff basketball. We got major championship uh, golf. We've got OTAs starting up. We've also got playoff hockey. And, Matt, I want to take us into a little buyer sell. Sure. I will I will be admittant. This was probably the least hockey I've watched in a very long time this regular season. The, I don't know if it was the divisions or the way things set up. We had it on at the office, but I was not dialed into too yeah. many games. But playoff hockey these first three nights has been absolutely can't miss television. Matt, mm-hmm. buy or sell playoff hockey is must-see television for non-sports fans. Like, do you are you buying into, like, the soap opera side of this. Uh, I mean, I always buy it. I, I will always buy into the NHL playoffs. But not for you. Not for you. For the casual, for for the casual buy, fan, too. I think – I does, don't think does there's a, any Just better. to make it to make it personal, does Alyssa watch hockey? Does I know she loves baseball. Is she a hockey fan? Uh, Alyssa watches hockey. I'm not sure she's tuning into the NHL playoffs on the regular, especially with the Sox playing every night. I know that's always her appointment television. Buy or sell, buy or sell the product for her. Uh, I buy it. I, I think if you like sports – I think there's no. I, I can see how the regular season would get a little bit of you know doldrums, a little bit boring sometimes here and there, especially with the same uh, staying in the in division this year, only really playing the same few teams. But now that you have this playoff setup, like I, I, did you watch the four, the Panthers Lightning game? On, I did. Uh, that was two nights ago. That was as good of a playoff hockey game in terms of emotion, in terms of rivalry, in terms of five drama, four final. I, I believe it's five four, but like. Both goalies didn't play bad. They were just really good hockey being played. Naturally, yeah. it was it was it was Q's team that was was doing a lot of that. But um, I think there's there's no better drama pageantry whatever than the NHL playoffs. And especially once you get into overtime, you could not have any feel for any team. But you get into that overtime, and there is no there's no more tense situation in sports for me than NHL playoff overtime. And that's and even as a casual, I, even if you're not pulling for a team. And I really think the beauty of it, too, was like, yeah, we had a 5-4 finish there, and it was amazing. It was absolute theater and breakneck pace from end to end. Earlier in the night, you had two goalies standing on their head uh, in the Vegas series with uh, Marc-Andre Fleury and what was it Vasilevsky on the other side. One yeah. made 49 saves, no, that was, the uh, other uh, made 
who was the wild goalie, right? Vasilevsky is the lightning. Uh, lightning. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, who, who, who was, was it? Who the hell who was, was the wild goalie? No, he's in Florida. No. Who's the lightning yeah. goalie right now? Or the wild goalie uh, right now? I don't know off the top of my head. I haven't watched. It's weird. It's it's very weird. But whoever it was, like, it was yeah, a one. It was a one nothing game that had like ninety combined saves. It was, and it was just as it was just as exciting. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's the beauty in it is that there's like oh, no one. Sorry, that's who it was. Tal. Cam, was Cam Talbot Talbot. starting though? I think he played, didn't he? That night, I think he played. I'm not positive. Whatever it was, the point being, you can have this variety of different types of games, and it is still so engrossing to watch like you can't pull your eyes off of it just because of the nature of the game end to end no and i, I don't care how like, i did you watch uh, the carolina nashville game last night uh not start to finish i okay. saw the highlights. well that game was five two carolina won fairly easily and i if, if you're looking for a pick i carolina I, I, is it has been for a while but they're my yeah. pick to win the cup i think they're fantastic and i think they're under underrated underrated and all that um, i'm gonna go with them but when the game started last night, I wasn't aware it was a full crowd. And the, oh, that no shot matter, at the top of the stadium yeah, was unbelievable. No matter how you kind of feel about that at this point, it, it, it is kind of the situation. It is what it is, and they're allowed to go, and people are going to go. That's their, their personal choice. Um, but whether you agree with it or not, seeing that shot, hearing the crowd, seeing the live crowd, like, it was impossible to not get goosebumps yeah. again, to see that playoff no hockey, that emotion. Like, there's no better... I think fan environment than playoff hockey because in, I, playoff basketball is awesome. I think the play, I think playoff hockey. There's kind of like the bigger moments. You know, the, the goal there's the goals cause bigger eruptions than just about anything throughout playoff basketball, other than kind of you know big threes at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. That crowd. There's no better way to get sucked into a crowd than that. I, I just it's it's the most like emotional roller coaster ride I think in sports. Can't beat it. Uh, you got to buy yourself for me. Um, I, I don't really know if I even you do. don't. You don't. Oh no, you I do. I do. I do. I'm going to steal yours actually. Um, it's, oh, perfect. It's from the White Sox game last night. See the Sox. They routed them. It was the route of the Twins. It was awesome. It's nice to see them bury four. Nice, nice to see them bury the Twins. I'm going to ask you about that 16th run though, because mm-hmm. uh, the, the Twins had a position player on the mound and he was you know throwing 40 miles and 40 mile an hour meatballs in there, and your Mercedes decided to take three three oh 47 mile an hour. I think the TV categorized it as an ephus uh over the center field wall for a home run gave the Sox 16-4 lead in the ninth um what'd you think of that buy buy or sell the unwritten rule of baseball that says he shouldn't have swung there i was sick to my stomach yeah you probably it threw was a up disgrace to the game i can't believe that your mean mercedes would do get the get out of here get out of my face the reason that there is a position player on the mound is because you've already gotten your teeth beat in yeah. and you're a rival we're going to continue to beat your teeth in. If we're on the wrong side of that and someone on the Twins is hitting a home run off of your mean Mercedes, does that hurt my feelings? Is that bad for the game? No. It's a 3-0 pitch. Play my music, Matt. That it's was your 3-0. music. Sorry. It's a, 3-0. it's a 3-0 pitch against a position player. Let's get this thing moving. Mm-hmm. It's 16-4. It's to 4. I, I want I want everybody swinging at every pitch. Let's get this thing moving. And the, the broadcast was so indignant in Minnesota. Oh, I don't like that. It's 16-4 to 4 on a 3-0 pitch. You're going to get the same pitch 3-1. Yeah, you're going to get the so same pitch 3-1. So what's exactly. the difference? I think that that's where – I think that that's where baseball needs some of the old voices to just go away. 
I think that baseball needs more young people in the booths. I think that's where baseball needs to get over itself. I think that's where baseball needs to let go of some of the old things that's holding it back. And stupid rules with no meaning to them and rooted in nothing. Like, this isn't about player safety. This isn't about the good of the game. This isn't about substance abuse, steroids. This isn't about juice in a ball. This isn't about mm-hmm. putting tar on a hat this is none of this isn't about coming in spikes high to second there are unwritten rules that are important to the game there are certain ones that mean nothing to no one and this is one of them get out of my face yeah and i I, before anyone might consider saying like oh you're just saying this because you're a white Sox fan and that's you know if the Sox were down 16 to 4 15 to 4 in the ninth and yerman mercedes was on was throwing and and williams astadio swung at 3-0 to hit a home run i wouldn't have cared who cares? Like, is it that the game has already been lost? Yes. Is it that big Who of a deal? Who cares if it's 15 to 4 or 16 to 4? Because you know when that does matter? Here's an unwritten rule for you. When Yerman Mercedes has 39 home runs on the last day of the season and we're rooting for number 40, not rooting for 39 and yeah. 40. Like, it's, it's, it all matters. The kids leading the big leagues in batting average by 16 points. I'm swinging at a pitch over the plate. That hit and home run means a lot more to Yerman Mercedes than not allowing that hit or home run does to your position. To a position player's earned run average. Or the Minnesota Twins. Like, who cares? You just got embarrassed. What does it matter if it's 12 run or 11 run run loss? Time for for baseball to turn the page, and that's one of the places that they can do so quite quickly. Yeah. Um, get, Get voices like that out of the way. That would be my take. On good news, though. Uh, well, not even good news. We touched on it before we got into that rant. The White Sox appear to be hashtag back, Joe. We talked about hashtag Justin Fields being back. The White Sox are back. good. Yeah, they're, they're good. They're without their two biggest bats in the lineup. It's three just, last night. No yeah, Abreu last, last night. night. Abreu's no Abreu. missing the series. I think that it's just a, a clubhouse that really, really believes in everybody in every stall. Like, we were talking about it before the podcast. When, like, Danny Mendix doing what he's doing. You got the the point I made to you was okay. League batting average is the lowest it's been. I believe it's two thirty six right now. Lowest mm-hmm. it's been in the history of the live ball era by a point. Nineteen sixty six was the next closest. I think it was a point lower uh, as of today. We're talking about the totality of the league, the mm-hmm. league batting average. Now, if you showed me the batting average of hitters seven through nine, it's probably right around the Mendoza line, if not yeah. sub two hundred. So the, the type of production that the Sox are getting from their entire lineup is setting them apart from these other clubs that, yes, are going through their own injury struggles. I don't know if you can make the case that they're going through injury struggles to the, to the extent of the White Sox, maybe the Dodgers, yes, but like what they're doing has been so surprising in the face of all the adversity that they've had. Yeah, I mean, it's, we were ragging on their depth a little bit to start the year, and I, I – I'm not saying this depth is going to be able to hold up all year in a playoff series, but for right now, you have to tip your cap. Obviously, the pitching has been fantastic. There's no way around that. There's no other way to say it other than the pitching has been fantastic, and you've had actually your two best pitchers from last year be the last two guys to kind of figure it out, get going this year. They're still not where they need to be in Giolito and Keiko, but your pitching rotation is going out. Every starter is giving you a chance to win every single night, but they're doing it at the plate too. They're getting it done. It doesn't really seem to matter who's out of the lineup, who's hurt. There just there seems to be a response and a belief that no matter who's getting trotted out there, 
that they're going to find a way to get the job done. And I know it's not going to be the in vogue thing to say. I'm not saying he's done a perfect job this year. Far from it. There are a lot of things to be critical about Tony La Russa for, but now it's not there, the time. <laughs> there's a time that, that you have to at some point say they're 25 and 15. They're without yeah. three of the now three of their best players been out with been out without excuse me their biggest power hitter probably on the team. They've been out with uh, out. Uh, of Luis Robert for now three weeks, I believe it is, and Jose Abreu last night. And every time they lose one of those guys, they have a response like this. There, There is a belief in that locker room, and there's being a standard set, and that starts with a manager who holds, who I believe, has that winning culture and knows how to cultivate that winning culture and cultivate that belief. He did it in you know St. Louis where, yeah, they had Albert Pujols for a long time, but they always did it. They always got the job done through depth, through guys in October like David Fries coming out of nowhere that you hadn't heard of. It's it's cultivating belief in guys 1 through 26 in the lineup and the, on the roster, not just saying we have these three and four hitters, they're going to carry our team and our ace. Um, so I, I think there is something to it. I'm not saying he's done a perfect job. I'm not saying I'm not going to be mad at him down the road. But sitting here today, best record, I believe, in baseball, 25 and 15. You're leading the majors or you're leading the AL Central. There has to be some credit. There has to be some tip of the cap because it seems like the locker room does like him too. Yeah, it uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch, and hopefully, it continues to be as they make this uh, one of the best. I mean, you know, we were we talk about expectation a lot here on the podcast, and we mm-hmm. had expectation coming to the season, and maybe those expectations fell when those when those injuries happened. But the play has not. They've continued to meet nope. and exceed our expectations, and it's been a lot of fun. Luis Robert goes down. I think they busted out for 10 runs the next game. Uh, Jose Abreu obviously was a surprise late scratch last night. They go out and put up 16. Um, yeah. So it's just kind of it's, – it's been a next man up <laughs> mentality the whole year for him. And as, as a Sox fan, as, as a fan of any team, it's, it's nice to see that. Matt, you got anything else for the people? I got nothing. I think this has been a, a very solid welcome return to the to the for us. I know you're. I know you're a busy man. I know we got to get you back to uh, back to the grindstone because uh, you are wearing many hats and getting the job done. With that said, everybody, get out there on Twitter, Instagram, follow Bet Spurts. Uh, show your boy some love. Show Thank him you. some support. Uh, he's doing a great job. Transition. That means a lot. He's, he's, he's wearing me. a million. He's wearing a million hats, and uh, we, we got to support him. So uh, jump on there and, and make sure you're consuming the content that Matt Rooney is curating for Man, us. Go make an account. Go make some picks. Let us know how you can track your picks on BetSports. You know, we're not, we're not betting on the site. You can track your picks. Tell people how you're doing. You can even sell some picks if you're that good. Uh, get get on the site. Make an account. Do me a favor. Uh, Matt, just for when Sam Burns wins uh, the PGA Championship. Again, you want the I Alabama Taylor mates? Uh, no, no, no. Just TP5s. I play okay. a TP5. Okay. Uh, the Alabamas were fun for some novelty. I'm past the true vis. I actually would anything. like Pro V1s with Joe's balls written on them. You want, you want Joe's I balls I want Joe's again. balls okay. back, yeah. You got it. Okay, you got it. Deal. Uh, that is going to do it. For Matt, Joe, and Joe's Balls, we say goodbye to this episode 206 of the Moose and Runes podcast. As always, head on over to Twitter. Betsperts, hit them up. Follow us at Moose and Runes. Send us your mailbag questions. We will dip into the mailbag coming soon here. Enjoy the PGA Championship. Enjoy NHL playoffs. Enjoy the NBA play-in. Enjoy the Moose and Runes podcast every single week right here. Alongside Matt Rooney, I am Joe Musso. We'll talk to you next week, folks. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.